Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. Thanks everyone for joining episode five of Callum Hughes and Undergrowth Presents Creative Minds. I'm joined today by Asha Robinson, a DJ and producer hailing out of the East End of London. So yeah, thanks for joining me, mate. I appreciate your time, first of all. Uh, So it goes without saying the the hottest issue at at the moment and something that's needed to be addressed and discussed for a while is the the racial issues not just within the music industry but the wider society as well so before we go on to discuss obviously your achievements as an artist and your goals long term I was interested to discuss first of all that when we first started talking at the beginning of last year, I think it was around then you were, were you in Sydney or were you just heading out? Yeah, so I was in Australia and then, um, yeah, you, I, I literally just posted the track out of, because I, like I said, I had nothing to lose. And then, um, yeah, he was like, oh, come play for us. But I was, yeah, I was just in Sydney doing my own thing. Um, but then I was meant to be back in a few months and that's when we were meant to talk again. Um, so yeah, that's when we talked. Yeah, so I know that when we first spoke, you'd already played in probably the most prestigious clubs, near enough all of them in London before you headed out to Australia. So mm. I'm interested to to know about your experiences as a, as a DJ and probably more the negative things that you've seen in in the music industry, whether that's like the the clubs. Obviously, I know that you don't want to. I can understand specifically call out brands or venues because I'm sure each of them has their own issues but I'm, I'm more interested to know like kind of what you've experienced either like directly or what you've seen in the past and you feel that needs addressing going forwards um well I, i'd say look in the last five years i've i've experienced um i wouldn't say i've experienced too much racism but more of racism with little jokes here and there now after a while uh, when you've experienced so much of it you just end up just I guess putting up with it and it's something that you shouldn't be putting up with um what's happened uh, currently which has been really good with what's happened it, what it's done is opened up a can of worms where people of color have been able to basically just stop and and just say that no this can't happen anymore um in the club land um i'd say like the issues i have i'd say there's not many black promoters in um well in london at least i don't know about the uk but there's not many black promoters i think that's a very big issue why are there not many black promoters um it's a question that's never been asked before now i've i work with well my he's my manager now doesn't necessarily do too much of the part he's just taking a little break but melvin um he was uh running i'd say one of the, the it was it was quite um it was quite substantial in london called ymo now with YMO, that that event was run by two black people. So we had we had Kieran um, and we had Melvin. Now the issues we had, uh, well, I was I ended up being really good friends with him. I went to the party. There was an old club called Number Sixty Five, and um, yeah, I ended up being really good friends with him. And then as I became good friends with them, selling tickets for them, I ended up being the DJ. And um, that's why I was able to find out what the issues were mostly. And speak to Melvin, 
the issues a lot with with when they were trying to grow to different venues was literally 100% because they were black or just it's mad how just like having a skin colour actually affected um, what what opportunities you had as a promoter yeah and I think look that's that's only just one thing I noticed that was very substantial they were signing very keen in the emails they were like okay yeah 100% come and come and check out the venue and then Do you feel like there's this assumption that because it's a black promoter that they will assume there will be trouble attached to the party because of the colour of their skin? Do you think there is that ingrained assumption that people will make as a venue owner or promoter? respect the point that you've made there about the jokes that are made and I've had the discussion with you and I've spoke to two of my close black friends who in the past I've had jokes never behind their back never meant maliciously to their face and it was an exchange of what you'd consider light-hearted banter almost because it became somehow acceptable and normalized and I think this is the most important time now is Anything that I'm doing to try and educate myself as well as other people, I'm the first one to hold my hands up and say, I've not been perfect in the past. I've never, what I would personally say, and this is easy for me to say because I'm a white man, is what I don't see is crossing the line. But what I don't see is crossing the line may not be that way to someone of colour. And I think that's why it's really important to be the bigger man, hold your hands up and reach out to people who you feel like at the time it may have been considered a joke. But have that discussion. I've had discussion with, with, with two of my friends and I've said, really apologise if I ever offended you in the past. And they said, no, nah, don't, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. I know you're not that way inclined, but I think it is really important for yeah. people to be mindful of when they think they're making what's considered a joke, when actually really, it's, it's all right for us to say because we're not being subject to that from like day one of when you're growing up in society to basically basically your whole life and yeah. i think i think that's why you're seeing a lot of people now especially obviously white people that are getting on the defensive and saying all lives matter it's all political correctness gone mad and it's like yeah but it's easy for you to say because you're looking out of the lens of, of your perspective because you've never yeah. had to experience yeah. it your whole yeah. your whole life yeah and that's why they'll never understand yeah and that, that's that, that's fine that's fine that you'll never understand but that this is why we now are are just explaining now what we're experiencing. Exactly. You can, you, can, you can come to some sort of level point, but you'll never be at a level where you'll fully understand because you're not the one that's experiencing it. No. So, and that's so, the whole point yeah. as well. With, with these podcasts as well, especially this one, I'm not going to sit here and say, 
I understand, Asher. I know because yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like you, you can't say you know because you you haven't been in in that position. But when you were saying about the experiences of when you were actually like out with the nightlife, and some of the interesting points I've seen people raise is about certain venues' door staff policy, and and the fact that clearly going forwards there needs to be really clear communication between your club owner your door staff and your event manager because if you're not seeing these things which i you you will understand as much as i do on the night of a party because there's so much going on you've got you know your your people on the dance floor who you've got looked after then you've got your vip then you've got your djs and your backstage you've got everything else it is understandably difficult to be able to watch the door like a hawk but that's where it's the same as policing you've got to have a decent recruitment process and make sure you're vetting out the right individuals that aren't going to have that assumption where if there's a black guy that comes to the door compared to a white lad that comes to the door why is it that you feel the need to do extra frisking and like i've seen people say they they felt like genuinely intimidated um and embarrassed because their search is far more thorough than that of of a, of a white guy and I think like going forwards if if there's reports especially like I've, I've seen like reviews on Google reviews or Facebook pages where if you're monitoring a Facebook page which clearly you are because if you've got the time to promote a party you've clearly seen the review where people have complained there has to be that discussion with the head doorman or the door staff to say clearly there's a problem here because someone's taking the time to provide this feedback and if you're just brushing it under the carpet then then you're part of the problem because the, the warning signs are there and it's it's not going to go away, is it? So clearly there's, yeah. there's issues. Yeah, 100%. But that's, that's, just, that's just touching the surface. Like, um, yeah, yeah. What, what, what would you say then, apart from, you know, something that hopefully improves with there being more black promoters or people from um, minority ethnic backgrounds, in, in terms of like London or when maybe you've been out in Australia, I know that um, there's, there's been some pretty heavy stuff on Instagram the past couple of days about certain brands over in Sydney. And, and people are saying that basically there's, there's certain promoters that are, you know, obviously of, of privilege because they've been born into wealthy backgrounds and they're basically just taking the culture that was obviously created by your Frankie Knuckles, your, your Larry Levans, your Omar S's. Jeff Mills and basically taking that, using it for themselves, and then never really given a platform for 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 black artists or anything of my minority ethnic. So have you have you seen that like firsthand, or people have spoken to you about about that? Um, in terms of that, I haven't seen that. Like um, me in Sydney, my my experience for me to want to go back so badly um, shows that. I actually had a good experience there. Um, I did experience some uh, racism, which I wasn't surprised about, but I thought, wow, I didn't actually experience as much racism as I thought I'd experience. Mm. So, like, just a basic one. Like, um, I was at this place called, I'm not going to call it the name of the place, but there's a place in Sydney near Bondi, and I went to the bar, and there's two levels, yeah, and there was a, it gets so busy inside that you have to queue to get to the top. Anyway, I'm queuing with my friends. Uh, we get near the front. And then I get accused of pushing him. So 
I never like look for trouble, especially with security, because you know what they can do? They can do whatever they want. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're white or black, they, they just do what they want. So I'm like, okay, cool, mate, I'll wait. So he's like, no, you're going to have to wait a bit. So, so yeah, like I said, I'll wait. And then what happened then, um, it got like, I swear to you, it was like a good like five minutes. I was like, mate, it's been quite a long time now. Come on, like, you're, you're, taking, a, you're taking a bit of a mick here. Anyway, he was so angry with me. He's like, no, you're staying here. You are staying here. I was like, okay, cool, mate. This is getting ridiculous now. Anyway, after going back and forth with him for what felt like eternity, eventually the, um, the actual manager came and said, why is the queue not moving? I'm like, because this guy is not letting me through. <laughs> she has to gr- literally grab me, yeah, and then pull me along, say, look, just move on, while the other bouncer is trying to stop me from going through. Like, no, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> anyway, so then finally I, I get through, and he's so annoyed when I finally get through. He's literally so annoyed with himself. Um, and then he's arguing with the manager, and I just keep walking away, because I, I, what's the point of arguing with the bouncer? And then um, what then happened, I was with someone else, I was with another friend um, who is white, because in Australia, there weren't many bad people, let's be serious. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, what happened, I got to the top, and then, then she was like to me, Ash, did, did, I just, did I just see what I just thought, thought I saw? And then I was like, yeah, you did. And then she was like, oh, you're not going to complain to the manager, manager or something like that. I was like, listen, this is something. Hello, you there? I'm all good. I'm still here, mate. Yeah, I said this is something that is that is um that is so normal. Um, what's the point of complaining? Like, this is something that like that that literally is the norm for me, where people will have um uh, a grudge with me for for no reason, for no reason. Uh, so that just gives puts it into perspective in terms of what I, what we experience. Like, people don't understand as well. If you watch, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like, all these old programs or uh, programs with, with films with black people in it, like, they do jokes like, oh, yeah, let's hurry up to the movies before the black guy dies because they say that in the movies the black guy dies first. Yeah. And I swear to you, I swear to you, if you watch all the movies from back then, the black person always died first in the film. I know, man. You see what I mean? All the, these, like, subconscious uh, signs of racism it's, it's, it's always been there and this is what um, people are talking about this is happening this has been happening for 400 years mm. 400 years and this is what we've had to deal with and because I've just been so suppressed to it all like oh this is just what we have to deal with like this is what we have to do it's, it's been it's been quite hard but you like I said you just have to deal with it but now we've had this opportunity where we can finally just express what we are going through yeah it really is that deep like I'll put another one in my last name, yeah, my name is Ashley Robinson, yeah, I'm from Jamaica, uh, my grandma's uh, and my grandfather's name is McPherson, yeah, those aren't Jamaican names. <laughs> Irish, isn't it? <laughs> this, like, those are, yeah, exactly, Robinson, McPherson, those aren't Jamaican names, and that what that is, I've got, so every single time I put my name down, yeah, that is the last name of the, the slave owner that owned my ancestors. Mad, isn't it? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It goes deep, bro. That's what that's it what I was gonna deep. say. As soon as you said McPherson, that that was my suspicions from everything that I've studied in the past. When you said that yeah. surname, that that's where I thought. Yeah. 
the link would be and it's like when i put the status the other day just drifting off slightly about winston churchill i think there wasn't many people that could get on the defensive um about winston churchill because when you lay down clear facts about the fact that you know you had concentration camps in kenya under the british empire you know the statements that he made about gandhi then you had like four million people dying in the bengal famine like countless things under British Empire rule, it clearly shows that in order to to get away from that ingrained racism within society, as soon as kids start primary school, you need to educate them as, as young as they can that, yeah, you know, the British Empire did, yeah. did, did happen, but, you know, it wasn't all, it, clearly a lot of it wasn't for the right reasons because, you know, you're you're taking over people's land and you're enslaving people for your own wealth and financial gain. And I think the sooner that, kids understand that when they're growing up the more acceptable they will be then when, when they meet you know someone such as yourself or, or, or any other black individual or anyone from minority ethnic background they'll be far more understanding about the generations of struggles that, that have occurred and I mean like I, I obviously studied history at GCSE then A level and I was going to go on and study at university and even when I studied a particular topic there was nothing as a subtopic within that that discussed like the contribution from black people or, you know, how rather than the glories of the British Empire, it wasn't about the fact that, you know, there was probably millions of people, not even hundreds of thousands that were that were enslaved. And I think that that's part of the problem. It's this ignorance and just trying it's almost like hide, hiding behind the realities of what we caused and what um, we basically we generated. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's the thing where it's like people always say it's like a famous saying something along the you know the, the history is always written by the victor um i said we're, we're not going to paint ourselves in a bad light we're only gonna act as though well, you know look at how much we develop these countries he said yeah but at what cost like these people just wanted to do their own thing and you just roll in yeah. and and think you can you can do what you want and i suppose to be honest when you think about it it is like that in the music industry when you look at like house techno like the the founding fathers of these genres are black individuals but then you look at the the lineups of festivals things like that i think seth troxler was saying the other day on um a podcast he did with pete tong he was saying about you know the certain brands that will come up with this tokenism which which i disagree with because i think that certain brands they should have a moral duty because of their platform to say you know, this is what we need to do more of. But when you start saying we're going to have X amount of, of black artists, it's like, but why do you need to think about that? Like, why don't you, yeah. if you did your research and you looked at like where the roots of the music come from, you would automatically want to book those artists anyway. Yeah. And and I suspect you're probably the same, Like you would want to get booked on meritocracy because of how much work you put in in the studio or the amount of time you've taken to develop yourself as a DJ, you, you'd want to think, that's why I'm being booked, not thinking in the back of your mind, oh, am I being booked because this conversation has come about and it's it's because I'm black and I'm just being seen as the, the token artist on the lineup. I think that that's that's where you've got that fine line, is we don't want to go yeah. towards that, but, we, but especially the bigger brands need to be actively pushing an agenda, even if it's like, if it's not, sharing a post saying look at us we signed five black artists to our record label or yeah. look at us we booked a black headline and like 
that's not the direction you want to go down because it's like, well, yeah. you're not you're not doing it with good intentions and you're doing it to almost make yourself look good. Yeah, but that's 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 why that's why, for example, some people would disagree with me. But my my personal view, like for people going, look, let's look at all the the, the companies that are owned by black people and let's go buy some stuff. Like for me, like. I, I don't want people to go buy my music just because I'm black. It's nah, I know. Oh, oh my god, a black person just got killed. So let's go, let's go buy Ash's music because he's black. I want people to buy my music because they want to buy my music. Exactly. So that's the same thing. Where, when I'm seeing these tweets where people are like, oh, comment all these local black com- uh, black uh, companies that you like. Like, I see the, the good intention. I really do. Yeah. But for me, why? Like, I don't want. I don't want you buying it just because you're buying it. To, to give us money, do you know what I mean? It's basically like charity. Yeah. Like charity's fine, but do you see my point? You yeah, know, definitely. Or, or I'm a bit, I'm a self-employed person who's trying to get, get, get my money uh, from my hard work, not because I'm black. Do you see? Yeah. You don't go, you don't go to. I know, obviously, it, it's not the same, but you don't go to a white company and go, oh, okay, let's go support some white people. Let's go, let's go, let's go buy their stuff, even though we're not going to use it. Yeah. You know I mean, they, they wouldn't want that. So that's what, I, that's what I believe. Um, did, did, did you find it difficult developing as an artist compared to your like other white counterparts? I know that you won't see it like that. You you I mean I don't know whether you viewed it as though I'm gonna have a more difficult job here developing as an artist and breaking through compared to another white artist who's maybe on the on the same level as me. Did did you ever find it difficult? systemic racism is is because it's where like where you, you've got that where people make decisions because of the color of a person's skin skin and i'll never know whether that's actually happened you know? yeah but um for, for for me i'll be straight because i i've got a lot of white friends i think that hasn't been too much of a factor um i've i wouldn't say i'm one of the lucky ones but it's because of where I grew up. I grew up in the water sports industry, basically. I'm yeah. an instructor and I do speed boating and all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm working up even further in that. Um, and with that, that is so, like, there's, there's nothing more, there's no, I'm the only black instructor. There's only like three or four black senior instructors. In yeah. Canada, I think. There's really no black instructors or even black competitors. Um, so I haven't really had that kind of, Thing in the way I feel like just because I've got loads of white friends around me mm. like oh he's got oh, okay cool he's a black guy but he's got loads of white people around him so that means he's safe do you know what I mean yeah so I've ne- I, I'd say I've never had that issue but I feel like it's just because I've had I've got a lot of white friends around me and I know that I've always known that but I haven't been able to say it because mm. when you say that just randomly people will be thinking oh he's quite he's quite bitter isn't he like he's thinking like or something like that so I'd Unfortunately, I've just kept quiet and I've only spoken to my black friends about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do see where you are coming from, though, because it, it logically it makes perfect sense. If you're moving in a circle that's predominantly white people and then, you know, they will bring you in as it, it's more inclusive, then you... You can't really argue with the fact that it's going to bring more opportunities because yeah. if you were moving strictly in a circle of, of black friends then 
you know, if you didn't have those, those, those contacts and things like that, I know it's the same in any walk of life, no matter what, you know, colour you are, the bigger your network, you, you more your net worth, you know, the, the, the nicer you are as an individual, the more people you meet, the, the more opportunities are going to come about. But like you say, I think it's maybe because, and like you've, you've honestly said, and you don't mean it in a, in a bad way, that it, because of the circles you were moving in, it probably did help elevate you. In, in a way yeah. which, which it shouldn't yeah, do it sure. should be based on your your yeah. passion uh, which i'm sure hopefully you'd like to think fingers crossed that you would have been given those opportunities because you're passionate about um you know the, the sailing and the speedboating but it's like where i grew up it was um rowing was the main sport and goes without saying rowing it doesn't get any more oxbridge than than a boat race so yeah it's almost like when it's when it's dictated and when it's led by a group of white people it's almost like that obviously it's the same like you say with the with the parties as well if you've got um an event manager or promoter and and it's all white people unless unless they have lived maybe in like birmingham or london and they're forward thinking and they're into like multiculturalism they've got loads of friends from different backgrounds they're going to automatically think i'm going to book white artists that yeah. that yeah i think what it is as well even just to compare as well uh, just to that subject is is that for example like i said i've got loads of white friends around me and, and some people might might be like okay cool it, it, it might it probably isn't that but i think the reason why i think that has been a factor is because um if i if i be real and i look at loads of other black djs on the circuit there's a there's a lot of black djs on the circuit that have mostly black friends and because of that they're not getting the same opportunities that i'm getting mm. i'm not saying i'm getting those opportunities i'm still saying it's still very hard but there's still a lot of black uh, DJs with black, loads of black friends around them that aren't getting the same opportunities just because of that. Yeah. It's mad. It's mad. It's mad. Like this is something that that people that people need to to, to realize. Like sometimes it might even happen with um, promoters. Like the reason why they're not getting so many black DJs on the lineup um, that that really can can get the people going is because because they've got I don't know, it's just something they might be used to, you know what I mean? Yeah. They never think about it, they never think, like, they're just so subconsciously used to just, like, booking their friends who are white. Yeah. They don't actually, they, they just, they, 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 they kind of forget about um, uh, the, the black DJs that are, that are at the same level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um... There was a point there I, w- I was going to make about uh, the book I'm reading at the moment. I've shared it a couple of times. Is uh, by Rennie Aldo Lodge, uh, if I've pronounced it correctly. There, the uh, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race, and yeah. like you've said rightfully before, the fact that slavery, especially with with black people, has been going on for like four hundred odd years, um, or or probably more, um. Why are we having this convert? Everyone is the same. End of. See, the, the, those are the those are the kind of comments when it's clearly like. Look, I'll just say, look, this is what I'm saying. It does take a lot of energy. But the reason why we're having this conversation, I don't. You think I want to have this conversation? We're having this conversation because of what's happened. We have to. We have to have this conversation. Of course, man. because if we don't have this conversation and we keep going, everyone is the same. We're going to be in the same position. It's n- nothing's going to change, is it? Yeah, this is something we're doing to build, um, and and it, it all relates. It really all relates. Like like in terms of the music industry, the music industry was created to make people dance, have a good time, yeah, 
And what is happening, we've got this poison of systemic racism in the system, which is actually holding uh, other artists back from, yeah. from creating people, from, from letting people to uh, letting people express themselves on the dance floor and stuff like that. So this, this is why we're having this conversation, because we don't want to have this conversation. Yeah, it's true. That's the last thing that I've, I wanted to do, man. I mean, I, I'd love to get you on here, literally just to give you the exposure as, as a talented producer, which obviously that's, that's what I'm doing anyway. But the fact that the main topic of conversation has to be about race within the music industry and wider society, you know, the, the, the conversation wouldn't be held unless it was necessary and it was of absolute relevance. But, yeah, but because it's relevant, we have to talk about it. Exactly. It's, mate, it's like being in a relationship, like, just to put it, like, just for example, like, if you're in a relationship with someone, yeah, you're not going to someone, okay, cool, look, we don't, why are we having this conversation? We shouldn't be doing this. You don't do that. You have conversations because... You, you need to get to some sort of level point so exactly and then that's how you progress yeah just like anything and that's so, where um, where i feel that because it's so heavily ingrained in society it it's almost like sadly the way that i look at it it's almost like i wouldn't say you inherit racism because it's like you're, you're not born a racist I, I watched a really good video the other day where i think it was um I don't know if she was a, a white author. Um, I think she might have been a lecturer as well over in America. And she's like, you're not born a racist. It's like, if you're in an environment where you're surrounded by narrow-minded racist people, then all you do is is listen to their views. And then, you know, what you're reading in the media, this is exactly what, I, I, since I studied politics, I don't buy newspapers. I very rarely read the news as well, because the, the, the racism is within the media 100%. You look at like, Diane Abbott as a politician, she gets called out way before anyone else. If if a white politician makes a mistake, it's kind of like look at the amount of errors that Boris Johnson's made. And I'm not even a, a non, not even a Labour voter or supporter. Um, and I don't want to go too far off into the world of politics because yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be here for hours. But but but, but it's the point though of um, with education, it's going to take years and years. Like this is a conversation that will happen now. But the work is going to take years, and it will oh, never. Yeah, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Of course I'm, not. I'm just part of. A, well, I'm just part of a chapter. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, a lot of people have just been passing by when these things have been happening. Two weeks of complaints going. This is unacceptable for fellow black people, and then what happens? Then you just get back to normal life. And yeah. What we're doing now. It. The reason why we're talking about it so much, and the reason why we're keeping the, the momentum, is so that we we progress and we don't just give in on this i'm not giving in on this anymore any nah. slight racial jokes it's not happening it's really not happening no nah. because, because i just want to i just want to have a good life for myself of course and man and, and, and unselfishly as well i want to make sure that fellow black people around me uh, have a good life around themselves too like i i, I want to be, be able to dj around the world and not think to myself is this country racist I'm not gonna lie, that's gonna take a long time around the world, but at least we're just gonna do it bit by bit. We're gonna break like sort out of the UK, then we're gonna bring, like obviously work around it. Like you know, what I mean, Russia will probably be the last country. But <laughs> I was th- I was thinking that you know when when I was thinking about the in an ideal world, you know, if racism ended, but then sadly you think about your hard line. Not just Eastern Europe, because you know geographically it's not just fair to to pinpoint them. There's, you know, there's hardline racism in a, in a lot of countries, but those kind of countries, you think, you might you imagine trying to roll in there and educate people, it would be, 
be difficult, man. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we've we've made some really good points, and I'm sure you'd agree. We 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 could probably we could probably talk for hours, but I I wanted to discuss more now about your development and. This is the thing is I I don't want to refer to it as oh how are you getting on as 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 a black artist because it's not about the colour of your skin it's how are you developing as a artist so as I was saying before I remember when we first started speaking at the beginning of last year and I noticed that you'd already you know DJed at a fair few clubs and then obviously you were lucky enough to to play out in in Sydney as well um. In terms of the success you had, even primarily as a DJ, and I know that nowadays there's a lot more emphasis on being able to produce music in order to then get booked. Um, what, what do you think like a lot of your success was owed to, and, and what kind of advice would you have for anyone trying to come through the ranks now? Okay, so this is a, this is a good one. So, like, I, I'm I'm not someone who's been born um, with like that hard work trait. I'd say a bit of talent, like things that I can actually do well, but you have to work hard at everything. Uh, and this is something that I haven't been taught. Oh, like, no, what is it? Yeah, I, 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 I'm grateful that this is happening now where people are actually looking up to me. But um, I'm getting a lot of DMs of people saying, how do you do this bass? How do you, how do, you do your clap? How do you, like, in terms of, I like, realise it's, it's, it's just... Put in t- for, for me it's the, the simple advice is just put time into it it's so vague and it's something that was very annoying for me uh, when I was starting to produce but it's so imperative that you um, uh, you just put time in you yeah. have to put time in that, that, that really is that's the, that, there's no secret to it like me as a producer right now there's so much that I do not know there really is so much that I do not know and I, I know that and I know where I'm at in, in terms of my journey but the reason why I'm able to now start putting some good music together that I actually like is because I've been putting the time in, and that's literally yeah. it. So, so, so my <laughs> my advice, this advice I think is people are only willing to take on board if yeah they're only willing to take on board when they're ready to take on board. Because yeah. When I wasn't when I wasn't ready to take that on board, I was constantly, for example, one of my good friends Ants. He, he's he's been um, producing shorter than me, but he's been more consistent. Mm. And I was always asking him, I was like, Ants, how, how, are you, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? But then he was like, mate, just time. Just play yeah. around. And it was so frustrating. Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put the time in and let's see what happens. And this is what, ha- what has happened. Like, um, it, that's, that's my advice is just keep going, put time in, um, like, just to put into perspective, um, last year, so when I just got back from Australia, I didn't know what would be happening with the with the DJing. Like I, I the reason why I went to Australia, my mum passed away the year before. Yeah. So I, I kind of basically went to Australia because I thought I need to change the environment. It was getting towards winter and all that stuff. Um, and DJing wasn't a priority. But anyway, I got back and then I got an email from uh, Jamie Jones's PA. And then he was like, she was like, oh, can you send this track? And that's when everything changed for me. Yeah. Because I was like, I was like, wait a second, if if I if if I'm getting an email from like a guy I look up to like big time asking for a track, then if I just stay consistent, I must be onto something. Yeah. Um. So I think the hardest bit is starting off. 
because at the start you had no one fighting your corner. Mm. You had no one, like no one supporting you because you, you you haven't done anything. So you just need to believe in yourself. That's the main thing: having confidence in yourself that you're going to progress with the production. Um, but yeah, with the production as well. Like I said, I still don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. <laughs> no, no, I, I swear, I don't know what I'm doing. You seem you seem to be doing all right then so far because I, I I listened to your release on distance music and if you're a guy that doesn't know what you're doing then I'd like to see what you're producing when you do know what you're doing. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Like, like literally, just it really is just playing around, having fun. Yeah. Um, I really I like I, this is what I do. Like I just get my laptop, I just get on it even when I'm not feeling like it. I try to put some samples down, whatever, plug in, and then I just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 the time. I think that's what it is, is I think nowadays it's something that I've probably touched upon on every podcast that I've done. It's because people spend that much time on social media and they compare themselves to others. Because when you're not with someone in person, you're comparing yourself to someone online. And when you're constantly watching someone else, they may not even really be... They may, not even, yeah. they may not even really be progressing that much. It's because, obviously, on social media, everyone puts the best bits of the highlights of their life. They're going to big themselves up more than actually really what they've achieved and you're constantly doubt yourself but the, the best thing to do is in some of the producers i'm seeing that are making a lot of progress if you're really disciplined and, and you take it seriously then you know you'll you'll put your phone away and you you know you'll get in a studio and you'll literally just experiment and yeah i, 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 re- I recommend look, I, I recommend whoever's listening please yeah like not please but this is what I did when I got really frustrated and I was looking at other people, same level as me, getting progression with production, comparing. I was like, right, I need to just delete Instagram. I deleted Instagram for at least a month. Yeah. It's quite hard. Yeah. But but when you delete when you delete Instagram, you forget about everyone else. Yeah, it's when true. You forget about everyone else. You've got time to put into you got you got time to put into yourself. Like it, it, that's what it is. It's about focusing on yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and when I started focusing focusing on myself, that's when I really started feeling like I was enjoying this. Yeah. That's what it is, because you're competing with yourself. You're not competing with like, oh man, this other guy. Like, like for example, I'll be I'll be real with you. Yeah. Um, you know Rossi. Rossi. Yeah. Is Rossi? We started at the same point. Like, he he's he. Like, look at him. He's massive. Yeah. And as his production got better. Um. I still was like in the same position. I was comparing, thinking, "Bruv, why is Russ, why is why is Russi making so much so much progress here?" And, and I'm just like still sat here getting paid fifty quid a set. <laughs> that that stuff is not good for the mentality. Nah, it's not good for the mentality. It really isn't. And 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 now it's about being happy for people. When you're happy for people that are progressing, I swear to you, everything's so much easier. It's true, man. Um, Definitely. So, so much easier. Like, well, keep talking. While you're talking, I'm going to get my laptop and I'm going to show you guys there's a track, the first track I ever made with uh, uh, Ants. And then you guys will laugh when you hear it. But one second. See, and I was going to ask you later on who are your producers to watch. And I know Ants is probably going to be top of the list. Yeah, 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 for sure. So not even to be biased, like I said, just, just based on how, um, just how we play around and we... Yeah, we just don't do anything technical. We don't we don't go, okay, what key are we going to make the track in today? Like, we just literally just make music. When you do that, everything will be so much easier. Um, but yeah, no, 100%. In terms of producers to watch, in terms of who's coming through, uh, my friend Sukasa, uh, they're Piv London residents. Yeah, Sukasa and Next Level, man. I've, um, when Fleur played 338, 
in September 2018. That was the first time that I met French and Aston and they were warming up the terrace. And like me, this is not me being big headed because there's a lot more people out there that are music heads. But straight away, I looked at them and I was like, young lads, vinyl, respecting the warm up next level. And then I started chatting to them and we were having banter and then kept in touch with them ever since. I said, I definitely want to book them because... They are serious selectors, man. They're making some nice beats as well. Yeah. So, Sakasa, um, uh, what is it? Wait, you know what? I've got record box in front of me. I've had, I've had like, the pleasure of people sending me some great music. James Saunders. Uh, James Saunders. Have you heard of him? Whereabouts is he from? Oh, I don't know where he's from. He's, he's from a guy from like, somewhere. He followed me. But anyway, I saw that he did a no-art guest mix. Okay. So I checked him out. And I was like, James Saunders, do you want to send me some music? And he sent me some ridiculous beats. So James Saunders, ridiculous, like no joke. I, I, you right, I'm writing these down for the next undergrowth yeah. headline, isn't it? No, no, you literally, you'll see, you'll see. Yeah. In the next couple of weeks. James Saunders. Um, who else we got? Who else has sent me music? Just taking a look. Ah, oh, so he's from Australia, Melbourne. Uh, he ends up being a good friend of mine, uh, Jordan Brando. So Jordan Brando, like he's doing so well in Melbourne. He like supported Jamie Jones. Sick. Um, you there? Yeah. More good. Yeah. yeah, the music that he's making. Yeah, the music that he's making and, and that he's he's sent me now is 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 ridiculously good. Um, so yeah, he's a good friend that I'm looking forward to linking up with. I'm gonna be doing a mix for him. So that mix will be coming out next week. Um, nice bit of self promo there, Rasha. Snuck it in. Yes, geezer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then a couple more like Artman Artman is really good um, he's from um, Amsterdam uh, I think he's from Amsterdam if not he's from the Netherlands um, they've yeah, got some serious artists man the, the, the Dutch for me like with Piv and No, and no Art I think at the moment yeah. they're setting they're setting the bar very high at the moment that's like the benchmark yeah. you look at No Art and Piv if you're producing that kind of sound, that's the label that now, as, as well as your likes of Fuse, that yeah. artists really want to release on because of the quality and the yeah. consistency of the music that gets released. Yeah. But that would be also my advice. Now, you said about the um, about that label being high and that a lot of producers, what they do, they end up trying to make stuff that sounds like that label. Yeah. The biggest mistake you could do. I say this to all the artists that I I deal with, man. I say that when when you're making a track, don't make it for a specific label in mind because yeah, what? Don't do it for a label. Nah, definitely not. Because no, because that's what I've never done. Like I, I, like I know I've got a sound that sounds quite current, but I, I was never actually making anything where I was thinking, right, I've got to make what's what's the thing. Because I think about it, I've been producing for five years. Imagine if I was making what was the sound five years ago, got used to it, and then, like, where would I be? Yeah. You know what I mean? But whereas, whereas if you just literally just make dance music and just try to get people dancing and stuff like that, um, you'll always be able to stay current because you've got your own style. Yeah. Even if it's just a, even if it's just a slight adjustment, it's like, it, 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 it doesn't have to be anything special. It could be just like, oh, you use a hi-hat in a different way. Yeah. That's how people recognise you sometimes. Yeah. So it's just about not overthinking it, enjoying it, and making sure you're not making what the current labels are making. Yeah. It's so important. Because I've come across DJs, and I'm never the kind of person to to call anyone out, because there are people out there who use engineers. Um, Personally, 
I don't really agree too much with the whole ghost production thing. I think nowadays, if you really want, if you really want it that bad, and you want to legitimately put your name to something, then you need to sacrifice the time and and dedicate it and 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 experiment. And I know people say, oh well, I'm busy with this and I'm busy with that, and it's like, yeah, but but people find time to do things that aren't a priority. But if you really wanted it that bad, then then you would make those sacrifices. But I just wanted to pose a question to you Alfie Reeves has asked I'm a bedroom DJ and going to a music college uh do you have any tips bedroom DJ um any tips look uh, for me if you're a bedroom DJ like once again it goes down to oh you there yeah you there um yeah once again once again it goes down to just having fun um if you're a bedroom DJ and you want to look to play in the clubs how um, how that worked out for me? What I did in the end, I actually um, uh, I was going out on nights out, and all I was doing was just introducing myself and myself as a person, yeah. as a musician. If you're a bedroom DJ, what you need to do, you need to do that hard work, go into these nights out, and then introduce yourself to these promoters because there's so many people I know where they're like, I've been doing this for this long and I haven't got anywhere. The reason you haven't got anywhere in terms of um, DJing is because number one, you're not putting the time in. It's not just this, but the main one would be you're not putting the time in with the production. Yeah. And number two is that you're not, you're not, I don't care if you live in like Kent or whatever, you're not doing these trips to central London to go meet these uh, promoters that would book you. Yeah. You've got to do those two things. You have to. Um, so that, that, if you're a bedroom DJ, just like I said, have fun with what you're doing, but you, you need to make sure that when this lockdown is all over and the clubs are back, that you're going back to um, uh, the clubs in central London and you're introducing yourself because they need to know who you are. Yeah. How are you going to get your music out there if they don't know who you are? Exactly. And I think that that's a recurring theme of anyone that uh, I've spoke yeah, to. My advice, anyway. Anyone that I've spoke to. Well, and that's I, don't, a... I don't know if you can hear it, but I'll give you this. I know must speak or it was playing that, but just to put it into perspective, you, you'll hear how bad the drums are. This is the first ever track that I made with Ants. Needs to get better Wi Fi, son. <laughs> Welcome to part three. <laughs> Yeah, but, but that's the whole point though. Everyone has to start from somewhere, don't they? Like you're only gonna get better the more time you put in. Yeah, literally. Like there's a there's a there's another bit. It's really crazy. Right. There we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see how bad that is, yeah? <laughs> 
<laughs> that wasn't the track that Jamie Jones asked for, was it? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the first ever track I made with my friend Ants four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that just shows that you, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. Like, you know, people go, oh, this guy's a wizard. No, this guy's been making... <laughs> that is very bad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm all good, man. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know. Maybe close to your data, your 4G. That might be a bit quicker than your Wi-Fi. Yeah. Not okay. sure. But yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, but yeah, moving on. Yeah, all good. So, I think yeah, just just to just to add what you were saying there, I think like so so many people will, you know, send like a SoundCloud mix to a page or someone's profile and then if someone doesn't get back straight away they assume they're being rude and it's like you have to make that face-to-face connection not just anything as well when you when you send a mix it's it's very generic like it's you just become another dj and 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 unless you're like a really talented selector or you're mixing vinyl or something like that and that's what one of our residents for undergrowth jordan masters was saying the other day unless you've got your own sound now because there's that many people that want to be the next big DJ, you, you have to be a producer as well, which I think is fair enough. Like, if it's been more and more saturated. I like a couple of that Jordan Masters' um, tracks. I, I, I've checked, I've, I was going through SoundCloud. Um, is he one of your residents? Yeah, he's one of our residents, yeah. Okay, yeah, because um, I was literally just, um, what was I doing? I was just, you go through SoundCloud and you know the, the algorithm. Yeah, he just, he just commented, <laughs> he just commented, yes, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All good. Connect, connecting the dots. That's what you should be doing. That's what it is. It's just about just being a nice person. And I, I, honestly, as I get bigger, I don't want to ever have this kind of um, this kind of ego. I, I really hate it. It's something that I've experienced, and it's something that I don't want anyone to experience from me. Yeah. I want people to always talk to me, and like I, I have people messaging me, and they're so surprised that I reply. And I'm so like, I'm like, why? Oh no. Yeah, it's true. These people respect you, and then you can't even send them a reply or even a like the comments. So that's something that I hope that um, I never have as I progress. Like, I don't know if it's just some sort of thing that happens where they're just so busy that they can't reply to people. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is busyness, but unfortunately, I'm sure we'd both agree that there are egos within, within the industry. I think yeah. I've seen people, they'll have like one or two like fairly like half decent bookings and then all of a sudden they they don't want to know you and I'm like that's definitely not the way to go about things man and I think times like this especially show that if you've been a bad person and you've mistreated people and you've burned bridges people are very quick to say now or that let's put our differences aside let's work together it's like yeah but you didn't want to know in a normal world so I get that you know it's not a matter of you know, sinking to their level and maybe playing the card now and being like, oh yeah, but now it's now it's now it's my turn to play that on you. It's not like that, but I think people will remember and you know that they'll have that memory where you know when when people have been mistreated in the past and you you, you can 
understand that it's not about holding grudges, but I think it, it's times like these will definitely show um, where you know if you if you've been a good person, then it, it does it does pay dividends for sure. But I just wanted to um, to come on to your release on distance music because that that performed really well and, and rightfully so. And what I liked as well is that even though you say it it's got that you know flavour that is hot at the moment, but it's still got a strong element of originality and it's clearly like your sound. It's not replicating anybody else. And I did notice, especially the tracks you sent me previously, in terms of your sound, it's quite like fast pace high tempo and then you know you incorporated some really nice vocals as well from like your old school like garage uh old school garage kind of era and you know like yeah. old school house as well so would you say as well as experimenting um you know especially like culturally you know with with your background with your family and then with you growing up in london as well would you say like the influence in terms of the music you make is a combination of like growing up in London and then the sounds you're exposed to when you're growing up or is it just more literally you, you experimenting and seeing how you get on? Uh, I, I think 100% the way it is to do is to do that I grew up in church. Like some people, I don't think many people put that in their bio that they grew up in church. But the reason I put that in my bio because it's, it's such a big influence. It really is. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. Like even, even how when I make some certain things with the clap, like in church, like they had like the tambourine and like they had the snare, which is kind of similar to what you've got in house music. And I love the kind of like offbeat snares and all that kind of stuff. It proper got me going. So yeah. it's the same thing that kind of resonated where I've been able to move that into house music where I just want the stuff to just sound groovy, make you feel happy. Yeah. Sometimes dark, but yeah, just, just mostly happy and smiling. But um, yeah, it's just it, what it is, it's, it's because of church. It's because of church. It's something you've got to talk about your history in terms of where, uh, to to kind of recognise where you are and where you're going to, um, and that's just been such a big, big factor. Uh, such a big, big factor. I love listening to gospel music. Yeah. I like I love I love going to church. Unfortunately, the most times I've been to church in the last three years is because of funerals from families. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> when I do, it feels great. Gospel music and yeah, man, gospel. I, I, I could continuously shout about that, but that is what's yeah. the advice for everyone is you've got no excuse not to go to church because when you leave an afters the church the church is open so you go straight from an afters to church <laughs> so you can educate you can educate yourself whilst you're still awake <laughs> yeah at least then you can um get the sit get your sins out anyway as soon as you come from an afters 
get past this this barrier of frustration and feeling like I'm not getting anywhere with, with production, it, I can now say I didn't realize I had a sound until, or I didn't acknowledge I had a sound until probably like two months ago. Yeah. Um, I've had so many, I've had so many messages of uh, people going like, yeah, let me tell you when I actually recognized that I, I acknowledged that I had a sound. Actually, it was when I posted a video, I think like six weeks ago, of um, Prunk playing one of my songs. Yes, I seen that video the other day, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I sent it, it to him, not thinking he'll play it. Next thing I know, I'm seeing on the stories that he played, like, uh, Compassion, but I didn't realise he played uh, my other one, Mushroom, as well. Sick. So anyway, that, I didn't know that video was about at all. And then, um, yeah, I, 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 I randomly, it's all about beats, which was a party I was going to play for, or I will be playing for. They posted a video, and I was like, mate, where did you get this video from? I didn't even know this was about <laughs> Yeah, but that's really good though, man. It shows that like you have your own individual sound because I think I've been sent music by artists before and the actual track is good, but when you're sent a track and straight away it makes you think of another artist, that's when that's when you think, you know, even if you're unintentionally replicating someone else's sound because that's what's hot at the moment, like yeah. you're never gonna have longevity as an artist if you know you're just you're going people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. because you you've absolutely nailed it i think if i was uh saying anything i'd just be pretty much reiterating what what you've already said but um yeah. the, the the last point i wanted to discuss was a i was speaking to marv 
was speaking to Marvin yesterday and the day before. Re- really nice guy. Obviously, you mentioned he was running um, YMO, yours, mine, ours. Oh, Melvin, Melvin. Oh, sorry. My bad. Ah, no. Yeah. And me and Melvin don't look alike. Let's be real. Me and Melvin do not look alike. But we'll go out, and just because there's a black guy wearing a YMO top, they go, What, my name's Melvin? Is it? Apologise anyway. No, no, you don't need to apologise. It's, it's just, it's, this is all like, it's just bringing it to, to, to the surface so people understand. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, me and Melvin do not look the same, and people go, Melvin? Like, <laughs> I know, man. But um, in, in terms of the management um, with uh, him, I know that obviously that's a sign that you're ready to take like, the next step in your career um, as an artist. But um, yeah, in terms of like your releases on, on labels and venues you want to play and the relationship you've got with your manager as well, I know obviously a lot of the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the relationship with an artist and a manager is obviously very to close book until you're ready to kind of let the project out. But what what is it you're kind of working on at the moment? What's your kind of like goals within the next couple of years? So in the next couple of years, um, it's quite straightforward. Obviously, I know it's hard, everything's hard. I've accepted that. But I just want to keep it simple. Um, I just want to make music that I enjoy. I want to keep happy. I don't want to be thinking so much about the money. I know that will become an issue in the, the like like future, like late future, but I want it to just be about the music as much as possible. I really, really do. For someone that um, that uses music as an escape, I don't want it to end up being something that I'm trying to escape from too. Yeah. So the the next the next couple of years, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to basically I'm just making as much music as possible. I'm not stressing about it, but um, just getting the folder up. Uh, I'm not thinking about labels because. That will come. Yeah. So I'm making much music, especially with this quarantine period. Um, just preparation, you see. And um, I've had some amazing queries come in in terms of like different countries uh, for DJing. So, like I said, I just want to be prepared where I've got the music to back up. Yeah. My skill, because I can DJ. Because I was a DJ before a producer. Yeah. Um, so it's just all I'm trying to do is just um, it's get my, my production. It, it's still gonna, it's never gonna be ready. Never, never. But yeah. Have a good folder of music, and then I'm going to be tackling in, trying to get myself international. I think a good folder is a really good point there. Um, sorry to interrupt slightly. Is I think there's there's too many there's too many artists they'll up and comers will produce one or two tracks and then they'll sign it to a label. But then but then you're yeah. but then you're placing even if you sign it to a good label you're placing unnecessary pressure on yourself because then. If you sign to a good label and then you have no backup tracks, it's like the artist that, that I work with, like one of them's, um, they produce more progressive house, like melodic stuff. Yeah, 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 but um, but th- it's good because some of their music is quite commercially appealing as well. But we're, we're saying to them that until you get to about 12 to 15 tracks, then send out batches of EPs because you want to constantly have a backlog, a decent catalogue of music to take that pressure off yourself as an artist. So yeah. I think it's a really good point you made there. to be letting out tracks after three weeks of producing 
Yeah. Yes. Like, to be letting out tracks after three weeks of producing, what you're... Are you really doing... You've got to ask yourself, I'm trying to be real with you here. Are you really doing this for the reason of of, your, of yourself? Mm. Are you really doing this to, to, to progress with your music? Or are you doing it so that you have people come and go, oh my God, really... It's true, track. man. It's really true. Track. You see what I mean? So, I, I want... I don't know who's watching it. Like, I really hope someone is watching it that is producing and just started. But if you just started, man, you need to take your time. Don't do it. Like, I spoke to, uh, I'm not going to say who I spoke to about it, but like, something that, that really, I, I feel like, in my opinion as well, is, is an effect in terms of mentality. It's letting edits out. Yeah. If you, know, if, you know if you know that you can't, an edit is something that you're meant to be doing because you love that original track and you want to use it kind of for DJing. You don't want to do it you're not doing an edit to get clout. So you need to ask yourself, are you doing the edit to to, to basically do it yeah, for yourself or are you doing it because you want to try and get 100,000 plays on SoundCloud and 500 followers? Yeah, so it's true. I think like, you need to just be... I say, I say to a lot of people, but I say to my, my friends as well, people that are coming up with them just like me that are sending me music and I'm like, bro, I love these edits, but where are your originals? Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's true. Definitely. Bear with me just one more to the lair. There's been no action in this gaff for fucking months. Well done. Even even with these live streams, if you if you start on like eighty percent, your battery just gets absolutely rinsed. So obviously me got dead Wi-Fi, dead phone. anyone that's either just starting out of the industry and, and is looking to or maybe looking to go to that next level and so on the on the point of of management and with uh, Alicia being in the chat as well I saw that when she was on the virtual music conference uh, she mentioned the importance of you know if management approach you or even if you know your your manager um, and the same with the booking agent as well is it's really important to know that 
you know, they're the right one for you. Um, and, you know, and, and especially as well, because you can have a really good manager, but unless you have that personal relationship with them as well, you know, that that's who you're going to spend most of your time with. When you're not producing in the studio, you're constantly batting ideas back and forth. If you don't get on with your manager, I think it's all well and good you're making a lot of money, but if you're not happy and you're not in the in the right mindset and you haven't got, you know, good mental health, then, you know, it, it's, it's not a positive career, is it, even if you are making good money? So I think that was a, a really good point that she made, and I was interested to know, obviously, um, with um, Melvin uh, being, being, being your manager, um, how did that kind of relationship come about? Was that like natural progression or...? Yeah. Your um, I've had I had a friend that was meant to play a sick booking out of London. Yeah, and the reason why the booking didn't happen is because they tried to overcharge themselves. Uh, well, the management tried to overcharge themselves. Mm. Yeah, um, and and because of that, that then ruined an opportunity for them. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. Yeah. But that ruined an opportunity for them. So the reason why, for example, for now anyway, do I really really need a manager now? Yeah. It really, really helps having someone like that. And, and, and also, it helps with promoters taking you a bit more seriously where they're contacting someone else to arrange uh, a booking. Yeah, it's so, true. Like, it really helps. So, yeah, it, it's just that Mel is my good friend. Um, so, I just wouldn't want anyone else as a manager. I wouldn't want it, I wouldn't want a management company. Like, even though, kind of, you're a great, great guy. <laughs> Killing me here, brother. <laughs> Money joking, man. Obviously, it's only a, a bit of banter, is it? Like, you can have a good relationship with someone, but different management styles work for different people as as well. And yeah. I think this, when I was at a conference not that long ago in Liverpool, there was a lot of people that were asking, oh, you know, like, what... what? I think there's, there's people that assume they need a manager a lot earlier than what they do. I mean, you can spot talent, like, before someone even starts producing, if you can recognise someone's a very good DJ and you think 
with my contribution and with me batting ideas back and forth and with me being there as a support mechanism and motivating them, if they then turn their hand to production, I think this artist has the potential in time to to go to the next level. And I think that's what a lot of, especially like if you're just a DJ and you're not really willing to commit that time, how are you going to expect someone to sacrifice their time and, and commit as manager if you're not, you know, willing to, to be open to, you know, not just criticism, but, you know, be, being told, you know, th- this is what you need to do if you want to go to the next level. No, it's all it's all good, man. But yeah, I, I just think that th- those are really important points nowadays with like management and agencies. Is if you have management as well as an agency, the the, the trust is absolutely imperative because I've had an artist approach me. I've had an artist promote approach me before asking for advice. Obviously, I have to be very careful because I I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I my artists are my artists. If you have an issue with your management or your agency, you need to speak to them. Like it's not for. I will give light-hearted advice, but I will never comment on on it on an agent's ability or a manager's ability because I don't have the right to do that and I don't yeah. see the full picture. But the point that you made about it wrecking an artist's career is because you will have some, not all, because I've had personally really good experiences dealing with booking agents and I'm not going to tar them all with, with the same brush, but you will have some because of that mentality of let's try and get as, as much um, money as possible. Money um is yeah if you if you you know damage you know a, an artist's reputation and i've seen like some like the, the the artists that approached me alicia just said they uh, they didn't have management they just had their booking agent but i think because of some people's confidence and not wanting to be potentially removed from the roster there's there's sometimes that uh, reluctance to want to be open about like how much are you asking these people for fees? Like why why is there such an inconsistency? And I get that it you know probably is is difficult because it doesn't matter if you're a male artist or a female artist. Like if if you don't feel completely comfortable, when surely that tells you that maybe you don't have the right booking agent or the right manager. If you don't feel comfortable having that conversation and saying you know a promoter's come to me and they don't want to book me because you've gone far too high with not just the fee, but the, the booking fees and everything. I think hopefully that's what we're going to see an improvement in. And like I say, definitely not me, you know, um, pigeonholing all agents because there's some absolutely amazing agents out there. I'm sure it only applies to the minority, but hopefully that will change in a post-COVID-19 world where, you know, there's going to be a lot more cooperation and, uh, you know, a lot more communication between agents, managers and, and promoters. Because if the money's not there... Then like I was I had a chat with Wilf, who's um part of um Alicia's management company. Uh, he's like co-owner of Lost and Found and Hideout, and he said, well, the reality is the market dictates the value. If the money's not there because the recession's going to be that bad, how are you going to expect promoters to cough up ridiculous fees? So hopefully the music scene will go back to. Yeah, even as Alicia said, you don't know what your uh, your agent is putting out. Oh, oh, if you 
Yeah. yeah. problem is there's people out there now who who want who want like the the the, the big fees and the you know the the private jets and the five-star hotels but you need to put years of working to get to that position man No, it's fair, it's fair enough, man. Because I think I've I've been guilty of that in the past, where I've I've tried to to help people. That's not me bigging myself up at all. But you try to help people, and sometimes they don't want to know. And I just think, well, I'm wasting my time. Like, what? Why am I gonna, you know, try and you know help someone if if they're not interested or they're like dismissive or ignorant? Um, and it's not me being patronised. They say, no, you need the help. It's just trying to offer a bit of advice. And don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm 25 and you know, I've still got a hell of a lot to learn, man. But you know, if you if you're trying to help someone and you know, like I say, they're they're being dismissive. Got to then... show signs, bro. They've got they've got to show signs to you that they're serious. They yeah. To show signs. Like, this is the best way. Uh, what I do now, when I when I first, it doesn't matter who it is, when I first have a conversation with them, yeah, I um, they go, they might say, okay, I need to produce, okay, and what I'll do, um, I will be like, okay, cool. I tell you what, I'm free next week. Why don't you come to my come to my my house or my studio, and then I'll show you some stuff. If they don't come on that day, then they're not serious. I don't say nothing to them. I yeah, yeah. Them. I have, and, and and I promise you, unfortunately, eight times out of ten, they're not serious. They end up not doing it. Yeah. They end up not doing it. 
So it is a lot of energy, especially for someone like me who's still trying to come up myself. Yeah. I'll help you out, but I only have time for people that are serious. Yeah, it's so true. That's, that's the way it is. Definitely, man. That's but been a great conversation, isn't it? Yeah, I know, man. It, it's it's all good, but um, I think I think that's pretty much everything, brother. Yeah. I mean, um, really Does appreciate you. Have any questions in the comments? If anyone has any questions in the comments, I'd love to answer some. Um, get, maybe give them a minute because I'm sure people. If while I'm while pe- if if anyone is asking, but what I'd like to say myself is, if anyone, if anyone had like wants help. Um, don't be scared to, to, to message me. Yeah. Because um, so many times, like I said earlier, if, if people, like, when I reply, people are like, oh my God, you actually replied. I know, like, yeah. I am no one. I'm just a normal human. I'm just wanting to, I just want to play music, have fun playing music, travel the world because of it, and that's it. So I'll never, I'll never ignore people just because you are a normal person. Like, I know. Hey, we're all the same. But that, that's what I was about to say, is we, we are all the same. And I think the situation that we're in now with, with COVID has really exposed that, is when you take away, you know, the, the, the status and the lifestyle and everything else. And that's not me um, saying in a smug way, oh, look look at you now, you're not, you weren't what you once were. But when you take everything away and, you know, when you're in lockdown and things like that, is you realise that we're all connected in one way or another. And... There's just, just, there's just no need for it, man. I just think like it's, a, it's a very sad existence. If you want to spend your whole life, you know, only moving in certain circles and only making time for for certain people, it's just, it's just not, it's just not a, a good way to be, man. It's not a matter of thinking, oh yeah, if if I make time for this person, oh you know that that might help me later on down the line. It's just thinking yeah. like there's no harm in in being a bad person so how long did it take you before you really felt like you're getting the taste of develop, developing your own sound yeah so i don't i don't know if you, jamie i don't know if you tuned in earlier but the, i said the, what what happened is that i was only just making music um and i wasn't thinking about creating my own sound so i think i don't know if other people with their sound will say this but how long did it take so I started producing in 2015 in about September and I had Max Chapman, I went to his studio and he was helping me a lot. And so from then to now, but I have been very inconsistent until last year. So let's say realistically in the last five years, I've only really been doing two years of consistency. Um, so let's say for me anyway, bear in mind a couple of months ago, I started acknowledging I had my own sound. How long's that? What a year and a half? A year and a, yeah, so basically a year and a half of consistency. Yeah. When I started feeling like, and I, and make sure I'm stressing consistency. I'm not stressing just a year and a half. Um, it's like yeah, da- it's, it's it's almost daily, isn't it? It's pr- it's probably almost daily. You have to do, you have to be doing. So, mate, you're already on the right path then. You've, you've literally just, you've, if, you're, if you're doing 
don't feel like doing it, you've got a day put aside, you try and create a loop. Okay, it's not working. I'll go on a break on my phone for 20 minutes. Okay, cool. All right, then I'll go back on my laptop. Yeah. Then keep that going. And that's what I do when I feel stuck on those days. Even on a good day, really, I, I, I make sure I have my breaks. Because when you go back to it, your ears have had a rest. And if you listen to it, and then you hear things that you may have not heard from listening to that same loop for about two hours going around and around, you know what I mean? Mm. So that's what I'd say. I hope, I hope that helps. But you're already on the right path. You're doing five days a week. You've been producing for about three, four months. I'm guessing that you've probably got close to finishing the track. If not, you've finished the track. Send me your stuff, man. I'm, I'm always keen to listen to, to, to tracks. But that's my, my, that's, my, that's my advice. Just make sure that, um, that you don't stop. Yeah, I think as well is the fact that you've got a good relationship with producers like Ants is building genuine relationships with other like-minded producers or maybe yeah. even producers that are a bit more experienced. Yeah, it's true, man. I think as as well is it's important for each individual artist to find their operating rhythm. Is it like, for instance, like Fleur might not go into the studio for like a week, but then she'll have two days where literally from like first thing in the morning till late at night, she doesn't leave. And I think that every artist is different and it's important to find your own operating rhythm. But I also do respect the point that you made where it's like with any job that you do in life, if you want to see progression, there'll be days where you wake up and like, I might not want to go to the office and do my nine to five job and I want to be doing music full time. But it's like when you've got bills to pay and you've got other things to do, you've got to ask yourself, like, how much do you really want it? Like when you finish your nine to five job, are you just going to go home? Are you going to be lazy? Because it goes without saying, if you're not, if you're not dedicating that time, making the sacrifices, you, you, you're not going to see the progression. It, it, yeah. It's something that you think, yeah, it, it goes without saying, but actually people do need to be told, like, are you willing to work late at night? Like, are yeah. you willing to sacrifice, you know, like maybe not going to family occasions or, or holidays and things like that? Are you willing to... The thing is, as well, investing financially is a big thing, man. Like, there's, there's so many people I come across who say, I haven't got the money for that. And I'm like, bro, I've just... I've just I've just seen you in Selfridges buying like a fucking four hundred pound pair of trainers, and then you're telling me you don't have the money. Like that's where you see the people who are really serious and who aren't. Look, so look, this is my two thousand and thirteen MacBook Pro, yeah, thirteen inch. I've got a portable speaker, a UE boom, and then I, I I did have I've got monitors, Yamaha H S five, but I 
don't usually use my monitors. I only use my monitors to, to kind of like mix down and try and do some stereo spring. But it just shows when, like, don't need, you don't need, like, like literally, I've, I, I've just got my MacBook, which I can take everywhere, and my headphones. So when people say, I need to just connect to the monitor, it's not, no, you don't, you don't. Yeah, you don't. But I think as well is as well as surrounding yourself with like like-minded producers, I think it's really important that you move in, in positive circles as well because you can be like with like-minded producers, yes, but yeah. I think if 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 you're surrounded by like negative mentality or negative mindsets, and, and I totally understand that you know we, we all we all we all have our off days and you know people you know don't feel as motivated, but you know I think. I think someone said is um you're you're like a product of like what you surround yourself with. So I've noticed it in the past. Yeah, you are who you surround yourself with. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. To be honest, we've we've discussed a lot of decent topics there, bro. So yeah, but no, um, I'm sure hopefully as soon as this blows over, um, me, you, and Melvin will uh link up, and obviously the the re- the rest of the crew as well, and it'd be uh yeah, sure. good to get you to Birmingham as well, man. Mad. Yeah. 